Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. One of our Kalyanamitta sent in a question, and it says, May I ask, with regards to Suva Sutta, this is Diganikara Discourse number 10, there is a section on Samadhi Kanda, the aggregate of concentration. Not just talk about mental absorptions, jhanas, but also includes guiding the sense doors, Indriyesu Guttadavaro, Mindfulness and clear comprehension, sati sampajanya, and contentment, santutto. Can you help to give more insight into this section? And also, I came across these Pali words with regards to samadhi, but I don't know its meaning. Chitasatiti santiti avatiti avisaro avikepo. May I know your thoughts on these Pali words, please? Let's begin by looking at what the Subha Sutta is really about. This was following the passing of the Buddha, so shortly after the Buddha's death, Venerable Ananda, he is invited to explain the core teachings by the young Brahmin named Subha. When Venerable Ananda goes to see him, the question that is asked is, Master Ananda, you were Master Gautama's attendant, you were close to him, living in his presence. You ought to know what things Master Gautama praised and in which he encouraged, settled, and grounded all these people. What were those things? And Venerable Ananda says, Student, the Buddha praised three sets of things, and that's what he encouraged, settled, and grounded all these people in. What three? The aggregate of noble virtue, the aggregate of noble concentration, and the aggregate of noble wisdom. These are the three sets of things that the Buddha praised. So when Venerable Ananda answers this question, he talks about aggregates and the word is kanda. What he really is talking about is the collection of things or the category of things and sometimes also translated as what falls under that spectrum of things. The answer that he gives talks about noble virtue, noble concentration and noble wisdom. So we know this as sila, samadhi and panya. In answering this question on the Samadhi Khanda or aggregate of concentration, it's very good to take the opportunity to summarize or provide some information on all three aggregates. And you can glean quite a lot by reading the suttas and also some of the minor discourses. The first thing to understand is looking at the proximate causes for each of these. So if you go to the Pethakobadesa, it tells that the proximate cause for the aggregate of noble virtue is good physical and verbal conduct. When you look at the aggregate of noble concentration, its proximate cause is good mental conduct. And when you look at the aggregate of noble wisdom, the proximate cause is the right view. Now, when you go to the Chula Vedala Sutta, and this is where Visaka is asking the question of Bhikkhuni Dhammadina. And in that discourse, he has the question and he says, are the three aggregates included in the Noble Eightfold Path or is the Noble Eightfold Path included in the three aggregates? And the answer that he receives from Bhikkhuni Dhammadina is, the three aggregates are not included in the Noble Eightfold Path. Rather, the Noble Eightfold Path is included in the three aggregates. So what's included in the aggregate of noble virtue is right speech, right action, and right livelihood. And for the aggregate of noble concentration, 
That includes right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And when it comes to the aggregate of noble wisdom, that includes right view and right intention. And what is further asked by Visaka, but what is concentration? And what are the things that are the foundations of concentration, the prerequisites of concentration, and what is the development of concentration? And Bhikkhuni Dhammadina answers, unification of mind is concentration. The four kinds of mindfulness meditation are the foundations of concentration. The four right efforts are the prerequisites for concentration. And the cultivation, development, and making much of these very same things is development of concentration. So that adds to our understanding of what is included within the aggregate of noble concentration. What we also know about these aggregates is that the aggregate of virtue overcomes hatred with non-hatred. The aggregate of noble concentration overcomes greed with non-greed. And the aggregate of noble wisdom overcomes delusion with non-delusion. And what we also learn, which is quite interesting, is that the aggregates of noble virtue and noble concentration fall under the practice of samatha, calm. And the aggregate of noble wisdom falls under the practice of insight or vipassana. There's a passage in the Pethakopadesa, so the Pitika Disclosure in chapter 6, that is very useful that I just wanted to read out with regards to these aggregates of noble virtue, noble concentration and noble wisdom. What it says is, when one is steadied in the aggregate of virtue, one does not grasp upon unprofitable hate. One eradicates the underlying tendency to hate, removes the dart of hate, accurately knows painful feeling and transcends, overcomes the element of sensual desire. When one is steadied in the aggregate of concentration, one does not grasp onto unprofitable greed. One eradicates the underlying tendency to sensual lust, removes the dart of greed, accurately knows pleasant feeling and transcends or overcomes the element of form. When one is steadied in the aggregate of wisdom, one does not grasp onto unprofitable delusion. One eradicates the underlying tendency to ignorance, removes the darts of delusion and views, accurately knows neither painful nor pleasant feeling, and transcends the element of formless. So with these three aggregates, one does not grasp onto the three unprofitable roots, removes the four darts, accurately knows the three kinds of feeling, and transcends the triple elements. So this gives a very good synopsis or summary of why we train in the higher training through these aggregates of noble virtue, noble concentration and noble wisdom. What we can then map to is the higher training that we often speak about. So the first is the training in higher virtue, Adisila Sika. Then we have the training in higher mind or higher concentration of mind, Adichitta Sika. And then training in higher wisdom, Adipanya Sika. So what falls under the training in higher virtue is one is virtuous, one dwells restrained, consummate in behavior and sphere of activity, one sees danger even in the slightest faults, and having undertained the training rules, one trains in them. So we've looked at this in quite some depth when we've looked at the Sekhapatipada Sutta, and all the way along when we activate the Noble Eightfold Path, particularly around speech, action, and livelihood.
What is connected to that, of course, is the training in higher mind, so Adichitta Here we are secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states. As that as the basis, one enters and dwells in the first jhana, one enters and dwells in the second jhana, one enters and dwells in the third jhana, and one enters and dwells in the fourth jhana. So this is underpinned by right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration. And then the other part to it that is linked is the training in higher wisdom, Adipanyasika. So here what the Buddha often says is, one possesses wisdom that discerns arising and passing away, which is noble and penetrative and leads to the complete destruction of suffering. One understands as it really is the Four Noble Truths, one understands as it really is the taints, the origin, cessation and the way leading to their cessation. So what underpins that is the right view and the right intention. So this enables us to see the context for the aggregates that we've spoken about and now also how we continually practice towards higher virtue, higher mind and higher wisdom. What the Buddha says is that when you train in the higher virtue, the higher mind or concentration of mind and higher wisdom, this is practiced by those who are energetic, steadfast and resolute, practicing absorption, who are mindful with guarded senses. When one trains in this respect, you train by day and so by night, and by night and so by day, and when you master every direction with limitless concentration, they call this person a trainee on the path and one living a pure life. And the wise one who has gone to the end of the path they call a Buddha in the world. And with the cessation of consciousness, freed by ending of craving, the liberation of their mind is like a lamp being extinguished. With that broader foundation or context for the three aggregates and the three higher training, we can now turn to the Subhasutta and see what it says about the aggregates of noble virtue, noble concentration and noble wisdom. Given that it's a longer discourse, it's often good to summarize into something more visual. So what you have on this slide is under the category or aggregate of noble virtue, Venerable Ananda has summarized the small section on virtuous conduct, as well as the intermediate section on virtuous conduct and the larger section on virtuous conduct. That is pretty much what aligns with what is in the Samanyapalla Sutta. This is Diganikai Discourse Number 2. And when it comes to the aggregate of noble concentration, what he outlines is guarding the doors to the sense faculties, mindfulness and clear comprehension, contentment, abandoning the five hindrances and the four jhanas. And for the aggregate of noble wisdom, Venerable Ananda summarizes that as insight knowledge, knowledge of the mind-made body, knowledge of the modes of supernormal power, knowledge of the divine ear, knowledge encompassing the minds of others, knowledge of recollecting past lives, knowledge of the divine eye, and finally knowledge of the destruction of the taints. So given that the question is specifically on the aggregate of noble concentration, this is what we will focus on here. When you look at the list of what's included within the aggregate of noble concentration in the Subhasutta, so guarding the doors to the sense faculties, mindfulness and clear comprehension, contentment, abandoning the five hindrances, and the four jhanas. 
it's good to look at this or review this within the context of the proximate cause of good mental conduct, that it includes right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration, and that what we are doing is overcoming greed through non-greed, and that this is a calming practice. We're training to be secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states. We are secluded from sensual pleasures when we guard these doors to the sense faculties. Again, when there is mindfulness and clear comprehension, we're secluding ourselves from unwholesome states, the defilements. We're ensuring that right view is activated. And when there is contentment, that means we are easily satisfied. We're not yearning for sensual pleasures or even to breed unwholesome states. And the abandoning of the five hindrances, we know that the five hindrances are the nutriment for ignorance, but they are also what hinders us from entering into the jhanas, the mental absorptions. And so what then falls under the category of development of concentration that we develop is the four jhanas. So the Buddha says in the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta, this is Anguttara Nikaya chapter four, discourse number 41. When we develop the concentration, that when we develop and pursue it leads to pleasant abiding in the present life, this is one where we are withdrawn from sensuality, withdrawn from unwholesome qualities, and we enter and remain in the first jhana, the second jhana, the third jhana, and the fourth jhana. If we briefly look at each of these items, let's start with guarding the doors to the sense faculties, Indriya Sugutatabharo. We come across this a lot in the trainee path as part of the mode of progress. And we know that having seen a particular sense object with our sense base, a noble disciple does not grasp at its signs or features, so the outward signs. When we leave the sense faculty unguarded, evil unwholesome states of covetousness and sadness invade the practitioner. In that way, when you practice restraint, one guards the sense faculty and undertakes restraint over the sense faculty. Then a noble disciple endowed with this noble restraint of the sense faculties inwardly experiences an unblemished happiness. And so that's why one would guard the doors to the sense faculties. Another way that we often speak about this is through the Pamada Vihari Sutta. If we don't pollute the mind, then what is realized is gladness, Pamoja. And when there is Pamoja, and you keep developing, then you get rapture, piti. When there is rapture, the body becomes tranquil. When the body becomes tranquil, one dwells in happiness, sukha. When one dwells in happiness, the mind becomes calm and concentrated. And so when the mind is calm and concentrated, the truth becomes apparent. And of course, that is what the Buddha calls dwelling vigilantly. So the Pamada Vihari is Sanyuta Nikaya, chapter 35, discourse number 97. What is then included in the aggregate of noble concentration is mindfulness and clear comprehension, Sati Sampajanya. And the Sutta says, in going forward and returning, the bhikkhu acts with clear comprehension in looking ahead and looking aside. He acts with clear comprehension. In bending and stretching the limbs, he acts with clear comprehension. In wearing his robes and cloak and using his arms bowl, he acts with clear comprehension. In eating, drinking, chewing and tasting, he acts with clear comprehension. In defecating and urinating, he acts with clear comprehension. In going, standing, sitting, lying down, waking up, speaking and remaining silent, 
he acts with clear comprehension. In this way, the bhikkhu is endowed with mindfulness and clear comprehension. So that is the explanation in the Subha Sutta, focused on what a bhikkhu would do. But you can apply this to a lay person as well. Now, the question that we ask is, what does that really mean in, in the case of mindfulness and clear comprehension? And the question that would come up is, mindfulness and clear comprehension of what as you are doing those things? So as you go about your activities, what is it that one is mindful and clearly comprehending? And we can refer to the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta again. This is Anguttarikaya chapter 4, discourse number 41. The question that is asked is, and what is the development of concentration that, when developed and pursued, leads to mindfulness and clear comprehension? And the Buddha's answer is, there is the case where feelings, Vedana, are known to the monk as they arise, known as they persist, known as they subside. So in this respect to feelings, that means you know that it is a painful feeling, pleasant feeling, or neither painful nor pleasant feeling, and you understand that all these feelings result in dukkha. When it comes to then, the Buddha says, perceptions are known to him as they arise, known as they persist, known as they subside. And then he goes on to say, volitional formations or our thoughts are known to him as they arise, known as they persist, known as they subside. This is the development of concentration that, when developed and pursued, leads to mindfulness and clear comprehension. So we get a better idea about what the Buddha means there. So again, with perceptions, you know that many of our perceptions, you know when they are sick, so when they are defiled, when you take, for example, beauty instead of repulsiveness, or what is pleasing instead of what is painful, when you take something as self, or me and mine, instead of non-self and not me and mine. And lastly, of course, when we take the perversion of lasting instead of something that is not lasting, so this is how you actually apply the mindfulness and clear comprehension in all postures and during all activities. There's a very good simile actually that the Buddha uses for Sampajanya, for this clear comprehension. And this is where the Buddha talks about the simile of the cook in Sanyutta Nikaya chapter 47, discourse number 8. The clear thing is that you're able to remove covetousness and sadness, so abhija dhormanasa. When you understand that particular simile, what you're really understanding is you don't fall for the form. You don't see suba when it's really asuba. You don't see fair instead of foul. You don't see beauty instead of repulsiveness. You have a very strong right view about form. And so when that is the case, then you actually remove the burning with lust or anything that is associated with sensual desire and therefore you remove covetousness and sadness. What this clearly shows when it comes to mindfulness and clear comprehension is that you truly understand you don't want to go down the greed path. You want to protect yourself from sensual pleasures and falling for sensual desire. Because what you really want is the chanda samadhi. And the chanda samadhi is this concentration due to desire. And when you know that the enemies of this chanda samadhi are covetousness and sadness, then you do everything in your, in your power through mindfulness and clear comprehension, as well as guarding the sense doors, not to fall for that perversion of seeing fair in the foul or beauty in the repulsive. And in that way, you make a strong determination to remove covetousness and sadness. And that is the crux of mindfulness and clear comprehension 
in all postures and in all activities. When you do that, then you can maintain the chanda samadhi, which helps you to see clearly form or the physical nutriment. A very helpful sutta is the Sati Sampajanya Sutta, and this is Anguttara chapter 8, discourse number 81. It is in line with the Avijja Sutta that we've looked at before, chapter 10, discourse number 61. And this is when you see that mindfulness and clear comprehension is actually the nutriment for restraint of the sense faculties, and of course, virtuous conduct, and therefore you get the good concentration. So in the Sati Sampajanya Sutta, the Buddha gives a simile of a tree. The first is a tree that is deficient in branches and foliage. Its shoots do not grow to fullness, and its bark, softwood and heartwood also do not grow to fullness. And this is where there is a lack of mindfulness and clear comprehension. On the other hand, the tree possessing branches and foliage, its shoots grow to fullness, its bark, softwood and heartwood grow to fullness. That's when there is mindfulness and clear comprehension. So mindfulness and clear comprehension, the insight pathway that we're interested in, we find that that is the proximate cause for moral shame and fear of wrongdoing. That then becomes the proximate cause for restraint of the sense faculties. When there is restraint of the sense faculties, that is the proximate cause for virtuous conduct. Again, that is in line with the Avijja Sutta. And then you get the proximate cause for right concentration, which is what we're interested in. So when that is the case, you have true knowledge and vision of things as they really are. That leads to disenchantment and dispassion, and finally to knowledge and vision of liberation. The third thing that Venbul Ananda talks about is contentment, santutto. And in the Suba Sutta, Venbul Ananda says, A bhikkhu is content with robes to protect his body and arms food to sustain his belly. Wherever he goes, he sets out taking only his requisites along with him. Just as a bird, wherever it goes, flies with its wings as its only burden, in the same way a bhikkhu is content with robes to protect his body and arms food to sustain his belly, wherever he goes, he sets out taking only his requisites along with him. Such a bhikkhu is content. So contentment is really being easily satisfied, not yearning for gain, not yearning for any sensual object, not yearning in that way also for unwholesome states. What the Buddha says is contentment doesn't give rise to greed, rather contentment just gives rise to contentment. This is a very important quality when it comes to concentration. If we are wanting, yearning, having covetousness, then what happens is it's very difficult to concentrate the mind. We have the Karmada Sutta, this is Sangyutinikaya chapter 2, discourse number 6. Karmada says to the Buddha, such contentment, blessed one, is hard to find. And the Buddha answers, They find it, even though it's hard, those who love peace of mind, whose minds love to develop and meditate day and night. And then Karmada says to the Buddha, But it's hard, blessed one, to concentrate this mind in samadhi. And the Buddha answers, They become concentrated in samadhi, even though it's hard, those who love calming the faculties, having cut through the net of death. The noble ones, Karmada, go on their way. So you see the qualities within contentment, that even though it's hard, you make effort to calm, to still the faculties, to still the mind. When you do so, you go inwards, and in that way you are leaning towards Nibbana.
The next thing that Venerable Ananda talks about is abandoning the five hindrances, so pancha, nivarana, pahina. And of course we know that the five hindrances are the block to the jhanas, to the mental absorptions. They cover the mind and intoxicate it with unwholesome states. So we know these unwholesome states as covetousness, abhija, ill will, which is the biapada, dullness and drowsiness, which is dinamita, also known as sloth and torpor. There's also restlessness and worry, which is udacca kukucha. And then we have doubt, which is the vichikicca. We also know that these things, these five hindrances through the Avija Sutta, they are the nutriment for ignorance. So it's very important to abandon or remove these five hindrances. In the suttas, the Buddha gives various medicines for removing these five hindrances. And so that's what needs to be applied if one is wanting to concentrate the mind. What the Subha Sutta says is, endowed with this aggregate of noble virtue, this noble restraint over sense faculties, this noble mindfulness and clear comprehension, and this noble contentment, one resorts to a secluded dwelling. And it describes all that. And then it says, and sets up mindfulness before him. And then having abandoned covetousness for the world, one dwells with a mind free of covetousness. One purifies the mind from covetousness, having abandoned ill will and hatred. One dwells with a benevolent mind. Sympathetic for the welfare of all living beings, one purifies one's mind from ill will and hatred. Having abandoned dullness and drowsiness, one dwells perceiving light, mindful and clearly comprehending. One purifies one's mind from dullness and drowsiness. And then having abandoned restlessness and worry, one dwells at ease within himself. With a peaceful mind, one purifies one's mind from restlessness and worry. Having abandoned doubt, one dwells as one who has passed beyond doubt. Unperplexed about wholesome states, one purifies one's mind from doubt. It goes on to then talk about different similes. And we've been through these similes before with regards to the five hindrances. So one regards covetousness as debt, ill will as a sickness, dullness and drowsiness as being confined to a prison, restlessness and worry as slavery, and doubt as traveling through the desert trying to pass to the other side. What Venerable Ananda then goes on to say, which has also been said by the Buddha before, also in the Maha Asapura Sutta, is that when you see these five hindrances have been abandoned, then you regard that as freedom from debt, so that's the non-covetousness, having good health, which is the non-ill will, being released from a prison, which is not having dullness and drowsiness, freedom from slavery, not having restlessness and worry, and having a place of safety, which is the freedom from doubt. So when those are not there, gladness arises. When one is glad, rapture arises. When the mind is filled with rapture, the body becomes tranquil. And again, when there is tranquility in the body, one experiences happiness and the mind gets concentrated. And so you enter into the jhanas, the mental absorptions. We have now looked at the first part of the question, and so we can turn our attention now to the second part, which is about this phrase, Chitasa Titti Santitti Avatitti Avisaharo Avikepo. So the phrase is used to define what is samadhi, what is concentration. And what we find in particularly the analytical explanation of Venerable Sariputta, this is Mahanidesa and Chulanidesa, is 
an extended phrase which builds on that. So it has those terms and more. And that extended phrase is Ya chikasa titi santiti avatiti avisaharo avikepo avisahata manasata samato samadhi indriya samadhi bala samma samadhi. So how we translate this is the mind that is stable, settled, firm, not distracted, not disturbed. It has mental imperturbability. It's calm, has the spiritual faculty of concentration, the power of concentration and right concentration. So you can see that the translation for titi is it's stable, it is able to still. Santiti means it becomes settled. Avatiti means it is firm or very steadfast. Avisaharo means not distracted, not perturbed, doesn't get pulled away. Avikepo, we've, we've heard this term many times before, means you're, you don't get disturbed. The mind doesn't become confused. And then this longer term, avisahata, manasata. So this is the mental imperturbability, unshakability of the mind. Samato we know is calm or serenity. Then we know that concentration also includes samadhi indriya, so the spiritual faculty of concentration. We need to keep sharpening this. And also the power of concentration, samadhi bala. And then also we develop right concentration, samma samadhi. So this is part of the Noble Eightfold Path. There is a connection between the samatha, calm or serenity, and also concentration. So when you find particular passages or definitions or phrases around samatha, you would also find the same phrases for concentration or samadhi. So there's one in Petakopadesa that says, Tata katamo samato ya chitasa titi santiti avatiti tana patana upatana samadhi samadana avikepo avipatisaro aupasamo manaso ekagang chitasa ayang samato. So that translates as, therein what is calm, the mind that is stable, settled, firm, standing, setting forth, attending, concentrated, fixed, not disturbed, having no remorse or regret, pacified, a mind intent on unification or one-pointedness, this is calm. So this may also help you when it comes to understanding the phrase and the terms and the interconnection between concentration, samadhi, and also samatha, calm or serenity. We can end our session here. Let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you all well. Peruan Saranai.